What's going on, sir? Always loving that intro. I noticed oh. we got the flag. <laughs> I, I messed that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. There hey, we go. We can, we can there we go. I mean, you know, it's we're still celebrating uh, <laughs> Juneteenth, I think. We can still celebrate that, too, if we want. All, all of those things are fine. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of In Black and White on YFNA News. I am your host, Rick Lockhart. And I am your other host, Ethan Michael. And listen, we're actually joined by... Um, a superhero this evening, for those of you who don't know, Ethan Michael is actually the super streamer, hosting and participating in four live stream shows today. Ethan, you're a beast. <laughs> hey, you know, just trying to trying to do my part. I, I, I love doing this. I enjoy it. I could literally do it all day. I, I can appreciate that. And I, I think that... Um, you are doing a great job, and we we, we are really appreciated here at YFNE well, News. I'd like to be uh, clear that tonight's show would not be possible without Rick Lockhart. He did a lot, the majority of the late work on this episode. So, Rick, thank you. Hey, we'd love to work together to bring a great show for everyone that's watching. And for those of you who are watching, make sure that you head over to YouTube, follow this, like this video, hit subscribe, and um, also that alarm button so that you can get the alerts of when YFNA News shows go live and follow all of the conversations and shows we have on there. And be sure to share this stream on your on your uh, social media profile. So, Ethan, we got a lot to get into tonight, as I feel like we always do. We got uh, updates on Ahmaud Arbery, as well as Breonna Taylor. We have uh, the discussion about Elijah McClain, who's recently been in the news after his unfortunate engagement and loss of life with the Aurora, Illinois police force last August. And we're actually going to get into, since it is what would be pride celebration this weekend, the eve of pride celebration, at least here in Chicago and other major cities, we're going to talk a little bit about racism in the LGBTQ community. Because not too many people know that it's actually a thing. And we'll probably wrap up with one of our questions from white troublemaker, and I actually, yeah, I didn't know it was a thing until until very recently that I didn't I, I didn't know the gay community was plagued with racism. But oh, I guess it shouldn't surprise me because racism is everywhere. Racism is everywhere, and as long as racism is out there, in black and white has a show. Don't get into this. Just leave that there. All Are right. you sure about that? Right? Leave that there. Oh man! All right, so um, let's get started with our uh, update with Ahmad Aubrey. Right. So I'm sure you heard the three, uh, excuse me, the three individuals, um, George and Travis McMichael, as well as William Bryant, have all been charged with malice and felony murder, as well as aggravated assault and false imprisonment. So many of you may remember Ahmaud Arbery down in Georgia was gunned down in the middle of the street and murdered, hunted, in fact, and murdered. Hunted is a better word. Yeah, and you know they're calling it a lynching too. So a modern day lynching is what they're referring to it as. At least Ben Crump referred to it as um, a modern day lynching in his statement that he made. Who is the uh, attorney representing the the family, the Ahmad Arbery family? So here's the thing. You know, charges are are great, and it really shows that there is a progressiveness in valuing Black lives, right? So hey, everyone, Black lives start to kind of matter <laughs> we are finally starting to get some but we do know and let's not let's not jump the gun here we know that the system the criminal justice system uh-oh rick it's so uh, yeah can oh, you, okay. you said the criminal justice system and then it comes it's, it's 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 still biased it's still flawed 
And unfortunately, we're really going to just have to wait out what this prosecution looks like, right? We know in the past there have been officers, for example, down in Texas um, with the uh, Botham Gene case. We know here in um, Chicago, you know, officers specifically don't get held to the same standard. Um, we have these, this individual, George McMichael, who was essentially involved with the police department for some time. So we have to wait and see, but there's some progress there. There so, is, but there's a long road. And you know, I, I will say, Rick, I, I am glad that you like you came up with the show that won the show title and brought me into this because I feel like you brought me into a, a new world that while I was already aware of how bad racism was, I didn't realize just how bad it actually is and just how often these things happen. So I know it, there's there's a, there's a few things to look at there, Ethan. It's it's there there's there, and I'm learning this too as I'm as I'm working on this anti-racism work. I think we talked about it on our on our show last week, on our regular time show last week. That I'm learning a lot as well. I'm learning about as I how I grew up in part in, in attending predominantly white schools, how my mindset, how things that I do contribute to things like white privilege and white fragility and even just the sustainability of, of white supremacy, right? All of those systems, the systemic racism has been ingrained and woven into the fabric of, <laughs> uh, the fabric of our, our culture as we know it, our society as we know it. So, hey, I'm along for the, for the ride as well as you are and, and, and learning a lot too. Now it just really hey, comes into. As you said, as long as there's racism in black and white, we'll be here. Thank you, absolutely. Hey, I, I see? We got it. Um, also, so, you know, we have actually heard that Brian, one of the officers, um, thank you, Brittany, for that. Brianna Taylor's, one of the officers involved in the killing of Brianna Taylor, you may remember Brianna Taylor was asleep in her bed when police officers issued a no-knock warrant, unfortunately, at the wrong address, I believe the situation was, um, and ended up shooting her uh, 10 times. In, the, in her bedroom while she was asleep. The police chief sent out a letter of resignation for calling for the resignation of one of the officers involved, Detective Brett, I think it's Hank, Hankington, I think was the name? Um, and Hank, Hankinson, excuse me. And what I didn't know, Ethan, was his, <laughs> and included in the letter, the recklessness of this officer caused three of his bullets to go into another apartment endangering the lives of other individuals that could have potentially gotten gotten shot. Um, so they called for his resignation. He's now terminated or called for his termination. So he's out of there, right? Um, however, we still have that. He wasn't alone. He was not alone. And there are still other officers that need to be held accountable there. So we'll be following those and kind of getting some updates there too as well as, uh, as the stories unfold. Hey, so... Either. My heart is in my chest right now. Let me just say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I got a question for you. I've been I've been listening for I've been listening to some conversations recently. Mm -hmm. And I've been hearing this term that a, a lot of individuals I'm going to say mostly Trump supporters, but outside of the fact uh, the majority of the the people having these conversations seem to be in his camp or supporting him. Um have this ideology that we should one of the things they appreciate about the current administration is how they're getting away from political correctness. 
right? They 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 want to they want to leave political correctness alone. They're they're glad that somebody is taking because it away. They got balls. He just speaks his mind. <laughs> yeah, like, like come yeah. on, man, just don't be a jerk. So I really want I want people to know. Um, I don't speak for the whole entire Black American community or African American community. You don't. I don't. I, I thought you were coming on as the representation of the entire uh, not, black community. Not quite the entire black community. Oh, okay. Um, definitely for myself, though. <laughs> and what I hear people saying when they say things like that is, I want to use the N-word. Like, that's just what I hear. Like, what, he, what I get from that when people say, well, we don't want to be politically correct. Well, what I hear you saying is what you want to do is use the N-word. Like, that's just that's <laughs> what it sounds like to me. Well, it's just like they want to be they want to be jerks or they want to be mean or they want to be able to just say whatever they want to people yeah. unchecked. And sure, yeah, freedom of speech and all. But at the same time, if you are a compassionate human being, you don't just utter crap out of your mouth and insult other human beings. You think about the words that come out. Exactly. As you should. And and to be respectful. Right. At the That's, end of the day, just like, why not? Why respect not? Respect people. Well, because there's a sense of superiority versus inferiority. But. That brings me to our poll question for the evening. And I don't know if, and I'll, we'll keep this poll question for, for the uh, entirety of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard Graves, co-host of the 13%. You can also find him here on YFNA News. Him and Cynthia McDonald hosting uh, the 13% on Thursday, on Mondays, excuse me, at 7 p.m. Um, here on YFNA News. So, Ethan, let me ask you a question. Sure. Would, would you rather be referred to as... White American or European American? Do you want me to be completely honest? Sure. I don't care. Okay. And I want to poll all of our viewers who are watching. For those of you who are who identify as uh, white or not black or not not ethnic, however you would like to classify it, please tell me what you would re prefer to, to to be referred to as: white American or European American. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later on in our conversation after some people have participated, but I really want to know. What do you want to be called, white American or European American? Um, so let's get into this horrible, horrible, tragic situation. Before we do that, can we address a question in the comments? Absolutely, we can. Awesome. From best name ever. I keep asking if anyone else is familiar with, I don't want to mispronounce this name. Amado Diallo. There you go. He was shot 41 times. I hadn't heard about it until now and saw the episode 41 shots of Trial by media on Netflix. Are you familiar with that at all? I am not familiar with that, actually. I will have to check that out. That's 41 shots on 41 Netflix. shots, yeah. I'm going to have to check that out, too. 41 shots of trial. How, how do you shoot someone 41 times? What an interesting question, Ethan. How do you happen to shoot? That, um, that, that's, okay. a, that's a whole other debate, but it's <laughs> like, how do you even shoot someone? It's like, okay, I don't know. To me, like... The third time, I, th I think you got him. 41, 41. I'm going to have to look at this. I definitely will. Best name ever. Thank you for sharing that. I definitely want to look into that. I probably will watch it sometime this evening or tomorrow to uh, to talk about that. That that does sound like a great, uh, maybe a, um, a show show or um, what do you call it? What are those those things called? Those Those movies? I can't think of what the name of it is right now. But anyway, I'll check it out on Netflix. And uh, Netflix is not offering a sponsorship for this show. However, if they can, they're not. But if they want to, by all means, go ahead. Uh, Brandy L. Hey, my sister Brandy. She says she remembers the case that happened in New York. Um, yeah, I, I unfortunately am not familiar with the with the case as, as well. But um, I will I will definitely check that out. But you asked the question, Ethan. How does that happen? I mean, 
look at when we look at the way that the criminal justice has been defined to attack people of color, specifically black men, in fear, um, and have been able to get away with it for so long. I I I would agree, forty-one shots seems excessive, but Rihanna Taylor was asleep and she got what eight to ten shots, you know. So unfortunately, you you look at the way that some of the engagement takes place from police officers uh, with communities of color and you see that there tends to be this aggressive excessive force against you know people of color so thank you for sharing that 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 netflix documentary that's what i was looking for oh documentary that's the word <laughs> Docu- i haven't i'm supposed to be the tired one here rick you're right i just haven't had enough of my <laughs> water um for for tonight yet so hey Tragic story that's been coming up in the news. In fact, I think I saw a bit of it on Good Morning America this morning. Um, Elijah McClain, 23-year-old young man who was engaged by police officers on his way walking home for being suspicious and ended up uh, dying after the engagement with the police. And unfortunately, the toxicology report did not or was inconclusive on what caused his death. He's been up in the news lately as things have kind of arisen again around the suspiciousness as the police officers who were involved were not charged. I don't know when you have a situation that police officers aren't charged if they can, if they just didn't bring charges, if that means that they can't go and refine charges or new charges or bring up charges again after you know more investigation. But let's take a look at the, the report that, um, that I was able to. That one. Um, well, you know what? Thank you for bringing that one up because I do need to start with that. So okay. when we talk about uh, when we're talking about the crime in, in America um, and all of the, the the engagements that take place in the Black Lives Matter because of the um, the police killings that we've we've seen and just the injustices in general because you know Ahmaud Arbery those two those three weren't police officers. Eighty-five percent of white people that are killed in America each year are murdered by other white people. Yet we never hear the term "white on white crime," "black on black crime." I'm sorry, we never hear the term "white on one cri- white on white crime." Black on black crime is a term that's been coined specifically for black people to create feelings of self hatred and disunity within our race. Um, so here's the thing with that, and I, I'm glad that we you reminded me of that that point, Ethan. See, this is why we're we're together in this. Um, we're a great duo, my friend. We are, we are, and this show cannot run without you. Uh, yes, so it can. It can. So here's the thing. I think I've also actually been hearing this a lot as well. There seems to be the response or retaliation to Black Lives Matter speaking out about racial injustice that people want to continuously throw black on black crime. And we haven't had a chance to talk about it on in black and white. If 85% of white Americans are killed by white Americans, why don't we hear white on white crime, right? Yeah, I've actually never heard that said before. Yeah, I've never heard Hispanic on Hispanic crime, Asian on Asian crime, right? And it's like the go-to all the time. Well, what about black on black crime? It's it's, It's like just in the back of their heads, they're just ready to use it. It's it's always the one that people want to want to want to go with to to refute that we're worried about racial injustice right now, and it's not that. And let me be clear: I, I can't remember if we've talked about this yet on in black and white, but I'll say this again if I haven't if I have said it already. Just because you don't see people speaking out about violence in their community 
Okay, not black on black crime because that's 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 made up. But because you don't see people marching and protesting and and creating awareness around and 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 all of the talk about lives being affected by say gun violence or gang violence does it just because you don't see it it doesn't mean it's not happening please stop please stop refuting black lives matter and racial injustice with what about black on black crime especially when we have 85 percent of white americans who are killed by other white americans probably shouldn't go any further with the black on black crime probably should but i just want to throw that out there i think it's very important because i have seen it very recently that People are really using the response to, to, to refute racial injustice by saying, hey, what about black on black crime? It's not a thing. It's violence within communities. And we don't hear about that within any other culture. So stop using black on black crime as your response. Um, and real quick, I have to address an extremely important question in the comments. Sure. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, my cat is safely next to me. And he will not be sneaking out of the house again because Brittany, that was horrifying. We actually talked about that right before the show. Yeah. You let me see. Yes, then it is is safe. <laughs> All right. So let's turn to um, uh, Elijah McClain again um, and, and kind of talk a little bit about what happened there. I don't know if anybody's seen the the uh, police footage, but we'll we'll talk about the the toxicology report that uh, we were able to to, to find here. Um, forensic pathology consultant Dr. Stephen Cena listed McCain's cause of death as undetermined in a 10-page report, but he listed a variety of potential factors that could have contribute, contributed to his demise. The manner of death may be, ac may be accident if it was um, idiosyncratic drug reaction. Cena wrote, it may be natural if McLean had an undiagnosed mental illness that led to excited delirium, if his intense physical exertion combined with a, a narrow coronary artery led to an arrhythmia, if he had an asthma attack, or if he's aspired, excuse me, aspirated vomit while restrained. Cena also did not rule out the possibility of homicide at the hands of Aurora police. It may be a homicide if the actions of officers led to his death, e.g. a carotid control hold, Led to this, led to stimulation of the carotid sinus, resulting in arrhythmia. Uh, that's also according to to the uh, to the report there. Um, and the the next one too. Upon contacting McLean, police said he ignored commands and walked away from officers. And this is really important to highlight here. Police eventually restrained McCain using a carotid control hold, a maneuver that involves applying pressure to the side of a person's neck to slow the flow of blood through the carotid arteries to the brain. He could not, the, the, the medical examiner, I cannot determine whether a, car, a, a carotid control hold contributed to death via stimulation of the carotid sinus. There were no signs of traumatic asphyxiation. Most likely McCain's physical exertion contributed to his death. Um, and then we also have, while being restrained by police personnel with Aurora Fire Rescue, administering McLean ketamine in an effort to sedate him. This is what the autopsy confirmed. Cena also confirmed that McLean exhibited signs of so-called excited delirium, a condition used to describe people who exhibit seemingly superhuman strength, immunity to intense pain, and hyperthermia. 
Though McLean did not exhibit hyperthermia and had not ingested any of the drugs typically associated with excited delirium, such as cocaine, Cena said he couldn't rule the condition out, said the patient's sudden collapse after an intense struggle is commonly seen in an excited delirium. Delirium, excuse me. <sighs> All right, so a lot to tackle there. Yes. So we got a chance to take a look at some of the police footage, the body cam videos that have been released. And I, there was three hours of police police video but Ethan, I know you probably got a chance to take out some of it, not all of it, but there were a few things that really struck me about what took place in this, in this video that I saw. So the first thing that I noticed was how the, how the police officers engaged um, Elijah. So you can hear, and there have been posts about this all across mm -hmm. social media regarding his last words, his final words, mm -hmm. or the last things that he said. And one of the things he mentioned that was that he's an introvert, please respect his boundaries, um, and the things that he's telling, he's saying to them, um, and then it just kind of escalated from there. Uh, from what I saw in the video, Elijah seemed to me to display attributes or characteristics of someone who potentially could have been on the spectrum. Whether that be because he's he's uh, an um, an introvert, or you know just his reaction in how he was asking them to respect his boundaries which we all understand that police officers, you know, they're above the law, so they don't have to listen to the things that you say. Uh, but when, when he initially, the police officers initially engaged him, let's understand that they were engaging him because of a call of someone looking suspicious, which wasn't Elijah. However, because Elijah was walking with a ski mask on, I believe, he looked suspicious. I get that. I, I think that when we're talking about how how police in the communities operate and the reformation of, of police policies and procedures regarding engagement. Here's where we have a, 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 a situation or an example of, and of course, hindsight's 2020, right? We're all looking at the, the video as things that have taken place. In the moment, sure, things could be a lot different. And I, I, I presume that those officers felt like maybe he was suspicious. I could see that. Maybe they thought that. This was the best way to engage him, which was after he announced that he's an introvert, please respect his boundaries and his kind of engagement with them. They immediately grab him and put him up against the wall and attempt to start handcuffing him. Police fit footage, body cams have shown from at least three different cameras that I saw, uh, two of them specifically how they wrestled him to the ground, was able to handcuff him. Unfortunately, in the police video, you hear one of the officers saying, hey, he's going for your gun, which in, I guess engaged them a little bit more to be excessively forceful right. with him, right? They said that they felt, one of the officers yelled out, hey, he's going for your gun. So I guess they would feel threatened, right? <laughs> this, this young man, he, he's, he's, he seems to be a little erratic. Um, he's not mm -hmm. answering the questions mm -hmm. that they're asking him, which is, Simply, I think their question was, where are you headed? He told him he was going home, but they engaged him anyway because he looked suspicious. What was funny to me is a little bit further in the police video. Hi, Lori. Good to see you. Um, oh, you little, didn't have to. You could just keep talking. Sorry. It's okay. I just wanted to say hi, Lori. Um, a little bit further in the, in the video, you hear the police officer whose gun was supposedly being reached for say, I didn't feel that. 
And I think that's important to note. He said, I didn't feel that. So now we have another situation of, again, engaging this, this, this young man, man for a myriad of reasons, but we're narrowing down to me what seems like, did you really have to go that hard just because he was Black? And we, the broader sense of this is, when we look at how police officers engage with people of color in communities of color versus white communities, and please remind me again if you haven't answered the question already, if you're white, do you prefer white American? Oh, or yeah, we actually hear, um, uh, why not just American for everyone regardless of color? Maybe I'm not educated enough on this, but in my opinion, uh, just American would suffice. Oh, Ashley, if only we could, I know. It's a great question, um, and I'll, I'll make sure to get to that too. I just want to make sure that people are are there um, responding and we've to got, that. We've uh, got Brittany saying European. Okay, okay. I see. Uh, crazy catnip said white American. Um, well, either way, so there's a difference in in the way police officers engage people of color, detainees of color, um, and and white mm-hmm. uh, detainees, and 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 in commun- in white communities. We consistently see this, this, this need for an aggressive force when it comes to people of color, even to the point of people losing their lives. Whereas we see white detainees or police officers engaging with, 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 with white individuals who are cuffed, they get Burger King, they get sips of water, they, they get asked, are they okay? Here's where when we talk about police reformation, and I think that when we talked about, when we had our conversation on, on our show, our special segment on Sunday, um, the point was brought up there that there needs to be a triage in 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 these cases in police calls. I think that if we had officers who were on scene who were able to identify that this individual Elijah potentially just could be on the spectrum and not assume that because he is of a particular ethnicity or color that he needs to be engaged with brutal force. Um, yo. So the other thing, Ethan, maybe you can help me out with this. When did officers start using ketamine to sedate uh, people in handcuffs? Are, are they even trained to to do that? I, I, like, so I, I, I don't even know. Like, I, I, maybe it's something that is a is a practice. Um, it's still unclear who administered the ketamine. I think from the police footage that I saw, uh, the the um, um, ambulance crew, uh, the first responders were, were utilized ketamine to sedate them, but. It seems that the officers might have initially. I don't know. I can't really tell. But either way, I didn't know that was the thing, that ketamine has been used just off GP to, 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 to sedate someone. <laughs> I, I don't see why it would be. As, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm not a medical expert, so I don't want to start jumping and saying, hey, it's wrong. Don't do this. I would just, from my understanding, I don't think they're really trained or prepared to make a judgment call like that but i i'm not an officer i don't want to speak for them yeah me um, either um but I, i'm it, it begs the question how often has this been done <clears throat> you know they asked they asked oh jamie albright says most police departments do not train officers in de-escalation tactics and that's we don't. to me that is why officers should be put in a like a a a bad bar where there's fights constantly without a gun for six months if you can de-escalate a drunk Without a weapon, then you can probably de-escalate most other situations. Well, but here we have the situation that it it wasn't it didn't result in gun gun usage or even even tasers. Um, they they simply wrestled him to the ground. He had this hyper reaction to um, to their excessive force. Somebody made the call to utilize ketamine, 
and he resulted in it resulted in unfortunately his loss of life. Um, the tox, tox screen report did indicate that there was can, cannabinoids and uh, THC in in his system. Oh, but I'm <laughs> pretty sure ketamine doesn't offset that to the point where you have a heart attack. So again, you know, officers, and I think this is where community policing is what is what's going to be important here. That. Thank you for that. Hello. Yes. Um, I think that it's important to, to, to note that when you have police officers who are able to engage their community because they live in their community, they do a better job with how they respond to these situations. In fact, later on in the police footage, and this is about as far as I can get because I, I, I really couldn't take any more of what I was hearing. The police officers engaged in conversation over him like he wasn't laying there and continuously trying to keep him from, keep him restrained after they had him in cuffs. Um, and I think he ended up having to, to, to vomit. They, they talked over him like he wasn't there. Instead of asking, are you okay? I did see one police officer ask, the, ask Elijah, hey, what drugs are you on? What did you take? You're not in trouble. I just need to know what you took. Why make the assumption that he was on any drugs? Maybe right. because he had this you know, erratic, spontaneous behavior. Um, but again, to me, from what I saw, this is my opinion, he just looked like he potentially could have been on the spectrum and they engaged him in a way that threw him off. And instead of identifying that, and I'm a regular Joe, so I, I don't know, you know, these are police officers, you thought that they might be trained in identifying these characteristics. Um, uh, instead of, you would hope so. You would think, I don't would know think? they are. I, I honestly, I don't think that mo and I, this is where I don't want to harp on police officers. I don't think they necessarily receive the training that they require. You know, they are given a gun and a badge far, far too quickly, and they are expected to handle uh, handle a multitude of scenarios. So they are. We we can harp on them all day, but we need to fix fix the system behind it as well, and make sure these officers get proper training, go through extensive tests, and most importantly go through deeper psychological evaluations, in my opinion, because there are many, in my opinion, that are unfit. Like, for example, recently I had like three officers lash out at me on Facebook and I want to be like, I'm sorry, you're a police officer. If you can't contain yourself on Facebook, I do not trust you with a gun, period. Like, you're, to me, that is just dangerous right there. Kind of like the video we watched of the officer who was waiting for her coffee and her McMuffin and just lost, completely <laughs> lost her, her whole demeanor. Uh, right. And I don't want to, again, she could have anxiety. She could have, you know, a lot going on that we're unaware of. But at the same time, you have, you have to be psychologically prepared. And if you're not somebody that can handle that, then you shouldn't be in the field. And, and at the end of the day, Ethan, I think that that's the important part of this. When, when you look at, and, and you and I, we, we, we just had this conversation very recently on our show, but at the end of the day, your bottom line is that you, the, the reformation system, that the, the, ref, the ref, reformation that needs to take place in our police forces include that, include appropriate training and the proper amount of training. I watched this video and initially, just from their engagement with Elijah, my thought process was, he seems a little bit on the spectrum. There, there potentially is something there that doesn't necessarily strike me as he's outside of being maybe suspicious that he's going to be uh, uh, engaging 
to the point where I need to exert excessive force. Right. If I if I talk to him, maybe just respect the, the the boundaries that he's asking me to, which could potentially yield to further conversation, and we could resolve that. You're not the guy we're even looking for. Instead of doing that, because these officers aren't trained to identify that, which again, I'm just a human being. I have no medical training. I I, I I'm not well versed in identifying characteristics of 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 people that might be on the spectrum. But at the same time, if I was able to catch that as an alternative to he's black, he's brutal, and I need to exert force, right. then where are we missing? You know, that's a lot of training that, that, that needs to take place. And that could be in, in the initial hiring process as well. Even still, like, okay, let's for right now say he was, uh, you know, messed up on drugs, just for sake of argument. Mm -hmm. At what point do you decide you need to use excessive force just because someone is drugged out of their mind? Now, if they're attacking people, Sure. But just because someone's necessarily out of their mind doesn't mean you escalate the situation. So if you have to sit there and speak calmly to that person for three hours, Dude, then you spend what... the next three hours calmly speaking to that person. You do not escalate it to violence just because you can't get through to somebody. That's it. That And that right there is the epitome of the, the like the biggest reformation that needs to take place. Reformation that needs to take place. If if we can't have people people on our police force who respect the community enough, and specifically the overpoliced communities of color, right? Because we understand within systemic racism, there's a there there's an ulterior motive there. However, if we can't respect people our communities enough to say let's engage first in demeanor and 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 behavior and conversation before applying any any excessive force, then we're heading down the wrong path. We've We've been down on this wrong path for a long time. We, we, we're aware. This is why, unfortunately, we have things like Black Lives Matter, because these are the things that we should be taking a look at in, in, in our police force. The other thing that I noticed in the video was, and I don't know if you got this far in the, in the footage, one of the offers, officers who is you know, yelling at him to stop moving, and, and we're about 15 minutes of him being on the, on the ground in handcuffs, um, yells at him and says, if you keep it up, I'm going to go grab the dogs and he's going to dog bite you. I, so why is that necessary? <laughs> okay, here's the other thing. I want to put this in, and I, I and again, I am not a police officer, so I, I don't know what they're going through. I am just putting this into my own, you know, real world experience. Keep in mind, this situation, this incident happened August of last year, August of 2019. So this is before Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and the microscope that police officers are under. Go ahead. Um, so, and my mom is watching the show right now, so she can actually attest to this. You know, we, we worked in a bar. Um, so there were always, always situations. And I can't tell you how many times that if you got someone down, you could immediately like say, get them down, calm them down for a minute. You could get up back away and give them a chance to gain their bearings. And many times they wouldn't always freak out and come right back at you. And when you're just sitting there digging someone into the ground, yelling at them, that's not, and there are situations where that's called for, but that that's not necessarily the best way to go because all you're doing is making someone more uncomfortable, making them more edgy and making them feel like they have to fight back. And that's the last thing you want. You want them to calm down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe you should teach a, a class on... <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what? Actually, uh, again, one of the things I applaud Uncle LL uh, slash uh, Mayor Lloyd Lightfoot, Madam Mayor Lloyd Lightfoot, 
Um, I think she indicated that one of the things she wanted to happen in the police reformation for Chicago Police Department was having civilians come in and teach, you know, classes or uh, give like talks about the community. What a remarkable idea that the police officers actually have to engage within the community that they're serving and protecting. When he mentioned that he was going to get that he, if he if Elijah kept moving, he was going to get the dog and have the dog bite him. I, it, that, that was a triggering moment for me. Um, for those of you who have 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 been following the case of Rashad Brooks, um, they they indicted the uh, one officer who fired the fatal shots. Uh, one of the things that they noted was, and I can't call the officer's name right now, I can't re recall it. However, they noted that the officers kicked him, kicked Rashad Brooks while he was on the ground dying, and the other officers stood on his shoulders. When you see videos, and 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 forgive me for this, I'm just going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. This is a point of personal privilege. When you see videos of people of color, specifically black men and black women, who are losing their lives at the hands of police treatment or in custody of police officers, and you see parallel situations or even more aggressive situations of white offenders who are treated with the respect of a human being, it's appalling. It's appalling. It really, really is. And when we talk about police reform and the things that need to go into police reformation, those are the highlights that should be coming up. You know what I mean? Those are the things that, that should be put on the table. The statistics of, of, of and, and, and look closely under a microscope. Why are those things so different? Look at these videos. There, there are people, there are white people shooting up and, and, and murdering people and they get sips of water in Burger King. But you have individuals who fall asleep in the car, who were walking home with a ski mask, who are asleep in their bed, who are jogging in their community and they're getting killed. Well, Ahmad wasn't killed by police officers, but, you know, uh, we have these situations that just seem to run neck and neck. Um, it's or George Floyd, you know, knee in the neck. He had a counterfeit $20 bill that wasn't a counterfeit $20 bill. All of these things are appalling. And, and when, I, when, I, when I talk about people getting upset about where systemic, the places that systemic racism occurs, these are the places that, that, that we need to continue to speak up about. It's not just that black people are losing their lives at the hands of injustice and, and or racial injustice. It's also the, um, the unequivocal treatment of black detainees versus White Americans or European Americans. What are we up to now? We'll get to that later. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if you're just tuning in, please make sure that if you're a white American, if you're white, you respond. How do you? How would you prefer to be known or re referred to? White American or European American? So I don't know, Ethan. What, what what really shocked me about this case, man, is that it happened in Aurora, right? Aurora, Illinois, like the the suburb of Chicago. Right. When we uncover these things that happen, you know, in our close to home type areas, it just, it, it hits a little differently. Just a, just a smidge differently yes. because it's, it's right more here. real. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would like to get to one question. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on them letting the people in the police academy graduate five weeks early to cover the shifts of the officers that have, a, uh, ha that have quit? I think that is just a horrible, dangerous, horrible, and dangerous idea like yes sure maybe police departments need more people 
but they do not need any more people who are not properly trained than they already have. I mean, there are, I have personally, I've met great police officers like Rick, when we were at the uh, Black Lives Matter protest, Mm -hmm. all those police officers were there in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. In fact, one of them even took my camera and assisted with recording. Um, So there are great police officers out there, but the problem is the assholes are making the rest rest of them look bad. And it, in my opinion, is up to the rest of them to start standing up and holding them accountable. Like this, this brothers in blue thing, this watching each other's back, this don't narc on each other. It's crap and it needs to stop. When you see something wrong, you stand up for it, whether it's your best friend, your family, your brothers in blue, the same race. It doesn't matter. If something something messed up is happening, almost. We haven't used used our quota for, though, on one quarter for this show yet. So you're good. And I don't have one today, so you're 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 good. You're good. Uh, yeah, well, I caught myself, so <laughs> we still got a little time. Hopefully, no other problems. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. You were talking I'm about trying. calling out calling out people when 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 they. Yeah, if you see something messed up happening, you just there are too many people in society, and this doesn't just happen with race. This happens with sexual assault. People constantly just saying it's not my problem, and to me, that is one of the most cowardly things you can do when you see somebody harmed you stand up for it and i will thank my parents for that because that was instilled in me when i was a child like no matter the odds you stand up for what you believe in and i wish more people would understand that it is their business that's another human being's life on the line speak up help each other out well Ethan, there's a couple of things there that, that that's the reality of the situation. Unfortunately, yes, when we talk about it, and I, I don't want to harp on police officers because I, no, I'm with no, you I, as 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 I was raised by a police officer. I, I have I have uh, two people who I call a look at like parents who are police officers who have been Chicago police officers. Uh, they're retired, great people, and I, I know great police officers. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to harp on them, but you're right. There there needs to be that that distinction of when to stand by that brotherhood of that brothers in blue that blue line and and code of silence and when not to and realistically there shouldn't be a code of silence but i get it there are certain situations maybe your partner you didn't took an m M&M bar i mean a, a, right. a hershey's bar and didn't pay for it you know but to me all like in in, so, in the in the uh george floyd situation every officer involved in my opinion was a Okay, I'm, I'm blowing it. Let me do it. I'm blowing the F-bomb. Take the one. Was Take a the one. fucking coward. That's what they were because somebody's life was on the line and they didn't have the balls to stand up to their other police officer friends and stop a man from dying. So those four officers, as far as I'm concerned, are cowards. But I am not speaking about all police officers. I'm only talking about the ones in that specific scenario. <laughs> hey, I- I'm with you. Um, well, but here's the thing. You have to first understand the value of someone's. Thanks, Marsha. You have to understand the value of someone's life. You have to understand that there is value in that life. And there's where we have the disconnect. Yep. Unfortunately, 
not speaking for I don't I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what the thought process is. I don't even understand how you can be comfortable with taking a life in, in general. That's why I'm not a police officer. Let me just let me throw it out there. I, exactly. Why I'm not a police officer. When I talk about this, I'll be the first one to say I'm not qualified to be a police officer. I'm not, That's why I'm not, I'm not trying to be one. I can't right. I, that doesn't mean I can't say that I don't think other police officers aren't qualified for it. Exactly. You know, I, I I have said recently that I think it's very important for me to to, to get my FOID card and go ahead and get a, uh, a pistol just to be on the safe side in the times that we're living. But even if I were to shoot a gun, I think shooting a gun in defense of would I mean, in defense would be, you know, whatever the situation is. But if it's because I'm trying to stop somebody, like if somebody's breaking in, I might fire a couple of warning shots first just to scare somebody. Maybe would try to aim somewhere that doesn't seem like it would be you know, um, detrimental to, to their life. I don't think I would have it in me. But again, these officers, you know, at the end of the day, these are the things that they need to be prepared for. Yeah. When is it appropriate to take someone's life in your position? And at the end of the day, understand that these are human beings. These are lives at stake. These are lives and families and friends and communities that are impacted when you when you take that life. In this particular case, Elijah didn't die specifically in the hands of police officers. But as a result of their engagement and their excessive force, Elijah lost his life. And so, again, for those of you who are just tuning in, Elijah McClain, 23-year-old in Aurora, Illinois, this, the case against the police officers who uh, no charges were brought against them has been up in the news lately uh, regarding their treatment of him while, while they were engaged with him. So hopefully you know something comes out of this there are petitions going around about about the situation as well if you if you haven't had a chance to, to check out the police video all you really have to do is google police camp video of elijah mcclain there is a three hour long uh compilation of police camp footage i didn't get that far into it but uh from what i did see again a lot of it was very triggering for me just because of the way that the police officers engaged with each other while this man was uh, potentially losing, you know, his life, he was losing his his ability to to sustain his life, and then ketamine is introduced, and there's a whole other conversation about. And I will say, people really just just irk me so much at times. Oh, <laughs> like I, I feel like the majority just do not actually comprehend how precious and valuable life is. And I, I don't want to turn this into a, a gun discussion, but I just want to give an example. Mm -hmm. I see many of my friends like make comments like, you step on my property and I'm shooting you. Like I want to look at him and go, what is wrong with you? Like <laughs> you are telling me your property is more valuable than a human life. Than like, a life. Right, right. Like why? Or that, I don't know if any of all, I should have had that video ready. There's this jackass who uh, is has a gun pointed at a guy's head. It was like, you're in my driveway. You know it. Don't move or I'm going to put an effing bullet in your head. Like, what is – and he – the guy obviously gets scared and speeds off in his car, and this asshole starts opening fire. Like, these people should not – should not have guns, period. Like, if you are – oh, I'm sorry, Rick. I, we don't, we, I know. It's okay because, you know, the whole – Conversation just, about gun laws? I don't get it. I don't get why people don't value human life more. It's so, so frustrating to me. I wonder if that should be a question on the application. On a scale of one to 10, how do you value life? 
How do you value life on your property of a stranger? Right. And to come, to jump back to police officers, and I feel like I may be in the minority in this opinion, and I mean no offense by this, but hmm. to me, when you when you become a police officer, you are agreeing that your life is now second to the lives of the people you're protecting. And the problem is they are taught that they need to be ready to fight back when they should be taught to protect and serve, mm. not to fight back. So a police officer's reaction, as one cop recently said to me, which will remain nameless, that will remain nameless sure. like, oh, we're always under fire. We never know we're going to be attacked. And if one of us is, or sorry, between the two of us, I'm going home that night. You know what? Right there, right there is my problem. And you, if you're going to become a police officer, you have to be willing to put your life second. End of story, in my opinion. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'm holding them to a higher standard, or maybe I value human life more. But that just that just drives me up a wall on how quick we are to disregard the lives of other human beings. I want to get to best name ever's comment about police officers aren't supposed to kill the guilty. But before I do, let me just say, piggyback off of that, Ethan, my the, the guy that I, I attribute to 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 raising me as a father figure um, during my, my my youthful years, he was a police officer in Maywood, and people knew him in Maywood. I feel like this is just you know just me. I feel like if in the event you are policing a community and the community knows you, you probably won't have to engage with deadly force. Just a thought. I mean, and I'm not saying that all communities are like that. You know, uh, again, as I as I as I suggested on our on our special segment on Sunday, when we look at the Camden Police Department and the way that they they're out in the streets, they're not driving around. They're on they're on foot. They're walking around um, actually on 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 foot patrolling their their communities and engaging their community that way. So the people of the community know who they are. I can almost guarantee you that people on the street, anybody in the hood, you know, police officer comes up and he's cool. You know, he's like, I, hey, y'all, this is this is not what we're supposed to be out here doing. Or he engages them on the level that they need to be engaged in. There could probably be an engagement without use of deadly force. They will probably give them the most most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time would probably give the 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 police officer the respect of, all right, bro, you know, all right, home, cool, cool. We we good, we good, go on. And and that's it. But instead, we have police officers who, you know, especially if you look on the south and the west sides of Chicago and, and other urban communities like that. Um, you you have police officers that don't feel like they're subject to being in that community. They feel like that community is beneath them and the people of that community are beneath them. So they feel like they're above and um, they don't have to engage on on a on a kind of personal type of, of rapport building level. And that results in issues like this happening. Um, I, I want to address this uh, comment from Richard Graves because I, I definitely want to clarify so I'm not misunderstood. Um, Ethan, an officer must have situational awareness. A cop does not have to put his life second to the bad guy, bro. Okay, so let me expand on that a little bit. I'm not saying like if right now you have a gun pointed at you that you do not, you know, you do not shoot back. I'm not saying you're just like, hey, whatever. What I'm saying is stop viewing everybody you talk to as a bad guy because everybody is not a bad guy. 
this is not a war. Yes, you need to have situational awareness, but we, we need to stop being so quick to draw our weapon. It is not the, the police commonly, in my experience with them and in my talks with them, have this mentality that you, it's us versus them all the time. And it's not like that. And that's what needs to change immediately. Look at look at all the police officers who have pulled people over and given them ice cream just to try and make their day better or to try and send a more positive message. Those are the police officers that I think are phenomenal. We should be. Let me get pulled over by a police officer and he hands me some ice cream. I think I might get out and even in this pandemic, give that officer a hug just and say thank you wholeheartedly. Because that's those are the things that it's going to take to engage the community and give people the trust in policing. Exactly. And that's what they need to be doing is engaging with the community, getting to know each other. Because when you stop, when you stop, when you know people, you stop viewing them as the enemy, which is also goes into why I take the, why I go about the, the I can't always get words out. I'm sorry. Sorry. The way I engage with people in debate or conversation. This is why I try and avoid getting mad or yelling because you know what? I'm not going to change their mind in 20 minutes, but I am going to build a bridge. I am going to work with them. I am going to get them to trust me because you know what? That's when they're actually going to listen to what I have to say. They're going to view me as a human being and not the opposition. And that's the mistake I think people and police officers make is viewing everybody as the opposition. You know, and look at... Richard Graves, uh, as as someone who who has been in law enforcement, I I'm pretty sure you're able to gather rapport from individuals just by your engagement of of uh, or with them as individuals. And I, I didn't get a chance to, t- to take a look at what that comment was from him, but I think I think he he's he's someone with that potential ability and has gained respect from the people the 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 individuals whom he's he's been charged with policing. Um, because he's been able to engage with them on some type of a humane level. Right. So again, their petitions out. I'm sorry. Oh, wait, we did have a, a comment that I wanted to get to. Oh, me too. Um, so this one, the, the get off my property thing is really weird to me in general. We have freedom to roam uh, law in Sweden as long as you clean up after yourself and respect. Yeah, here in America, man, people, many people are savages. It's like, the second you step on their property, they're like, what are you doing? You pull in their driveway, they're coming out. It's like people are so possessive in America. They're so selfish on so many levels. And they are so quick to proudly talk about how they will shoot you in the head if you go near their property. And it, sorry. Best name ever you, also. Rick. Best name ever also said. No, that's fine. Um, the, the the point that I wanted to get out, uh, get get to from the comment that that uh, she she posted police officers aren't supposed to kill the guilty people either though they're acting like judge dread and not the good one so i like that they're acting right. like judge dread i actually re- that that's very true yes exactly exactly and best name ever shout out to you for watching us all the way from sweden uh Be- best name it never mind she doesn't like attention so okay let's just I just, say she's awesome. hey, thanks thanks for thanks for right. watching in sweden hopefully we can continue on uh, reaching people. Uh, what time is it in Sweden? Never mind. So probably about four thirty. Uh, she she doesn't ever sleep. Literally, she doesn't sleep. I don't know how she does it. A.M. <laughs> uh, I think it, it's probably about four oh, yeah. a.m. Uh, yeah, four a.m. That would make more sense. So let's let's get into real quick uh, before we can get. I gotta. We have a few more things to get into before we wrap this up. 
Uh, just a quick note on <clears throat> racism in the LGBTQ community. So for those of you who aren't aware, uh, this weekend in most major cities is the celebration of Pride, which honors and, and appreciates, acknowledges the LGBTQ community. And you'll see, of course, the variations and 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 different types of flags, rainbow flags, um, uh, flags for the trans community, all different types of flags that are flown in celebration of the LGBTQ community. I wanted to take a moment to read an article that that I was able to locate to, that talks a, a little bit about what we face as LGBTQ members of color. And this article was written by NBC, I believe NBC's reporter, George Johnson. Is this, sorry, <clears throat> this one? Yep, that, that's it, yeah. So in a recent article for BET, I discussed how the Stonewall riots should be considered an important part of black history. Leaders like Marsha P. Johnson, Stormé Delaviri, Miss Major and several other black transgender and queer people were on the front line for those six nights in the summer of 1969. <clears throat> and yet Roland Emmerich's 2015 movie Stonewall shamelessly downplayed the role black queer people played in leading the riots, going so far as having a white gay man throw the first brick instead of Marsha P. Johnson. Um, while rainbows, well, excuse me, for many it's apparent that we currently have two different prides occurring. While rainbows are replacing corporation logos across the nation, black folks like myself are attending rallies for the death of our trans sisters. Most recently, Leilene Polanco Extravaganza, who was found dead in her jail cell in Rikers Island, and Zoe Spears, who was shot to death on June 15th. Unfortunately, there is, this is nothing new for the black queer community, the architects and elders of the movement have been all but erased. This white gay privilege exists year round, but it's particularly, um, I think it was difficult during, uh, during, the, during Pride. <clears throat> Their particular needs uh, are not met, look no further than the HIV uh, epidemic, which remains a major problem for black and brown men <clears throat> who have sex with men. The intersection of race creates additional barriers like access to healthcare, medication, and a proximity to higher infection rates. African-Americans make up more than 40% 40, 40 of all people living with HIV. Um, and just a second there. So I believe this was, although white queer people share in our queer oppression, sorry about that, they are still beneficiaries of white supremacy and are not above wielding that power in our safe spaces. In 2017, during Philly Pride, for example, the attempt was made to add a black and brown stripe to the rainbow flag. I have that on a shirt and I didn't get a chance to put it on because it just didn't look right. Uh, this action was met with anger from white gay men who felt the flag represented unity despite skin color, a particularly tone deaf defense given that Philadelphia's gay bars had recently become a hotbed for racism. <clears throat> While black queer people are still fighting for survival, white queer people were fighting for marriage equality. And this is important to note. This is not to say that marriage equality isn't important, but it is certainly not the only fight. 
Although we all share the same oppressors, white queer folks must come to terms with the fact that they play a, a role in the harm experienced by black and brown queer folks. A problem they could, they could stop if they acknowledge the privilege they have this month and every month. And again, that was uh, NBC reporter John Johnson. He I, I was actually coined last year for, for Pride and I came across it. And I wanted to share that just because as we're talking about racism, and of course this is in black and white, but for Pride, we're adding a little color. We're, we're, we're adding some of the, the color there for this discussion. Um, I think it's important that we identify that there is still racism even within a community that, a marginalized community that has fought for equality. If you look at places, Ethan, and, and I'll, I'll throw this question to you. Um, when you look at Boys Town, have you been to Boys Town before? Let me ask that question first. Have you ever been to no, Boys Town? I, I've been to I've been to a couple gay bars, but I've never been to Boys Town. Ah, okay. Um, well, in in Boys Town, there recently has been some some outspokenness around how Boys Town really caters to white gays. And I, I've from, heard that. Yeah. And you know, as the, as the article mentioned, Philly actually had to undergo racial bias training in their gayborhood, as they call it, uh, their gay their gay portion of of uh, their city. The Ethan loves that. He yeah, loves gayborhood. I do. <laughs> they the the bars had to go uh, under under undergo some racial bias training, as well as I believe a, a gay club in D.C. Uh, what people don't seem to realize is, although that there's this marginalized community of of the LGBTQ community, there is racism that has that has taken place that takes place in um, in that community as well. So when you look at Boys Town and places like Boys Town, you see first off, for those of you who know Chicago and know Chicago is a pretty segregated city, you know that the north side of Chicago is pretty well funded. It's a predominantly white upper class area of our city, whereas the west side of Chicago and the south side of Chicago are more um, low underfunded um, areas of our city and predominantly black in most areas. In fact, there are two black gay clubs in, in the city of Chicago that exist on the south side that you would never even know about because everything centers around Boys Town. Even when you look at Pride, your pride celebration, as the as the article mentioned, you have these rainbows that have replaced logos because we live in a capitalistic society, so they bank off of that. I get it. But a lot of that is catered to white America or white gays or European Americans, depending upon which one you identify with. We'll get to that too. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> but but unfortunately, if if white gay, uh, the white gay community does not continue to, or does not speak up as loudly as we're speaking up for this racial injustice, then we'll continue to have this struggle within the LGBTQ community. And I wanted to put that out there. Like I really wanted to share that because I don't think people really know that there is, that there is still the, the, the sustaining of white supremacy. There is still the systemic racism in the LGBTQ community. In fact, Ethan, I believe we have some statistics to, to take a look at as, as well um, about the, the differences, yep, that one, the differences within within our community. So um, violence and harassment, according to a 2014 report on hate violence against LGBTQ and HIV-affected communities, Black survivors of hate violence were 1.3 times more likely to experience police violence than, any, than their non-Black counterparts. And Black survivors were also twice as likely to experience any physical violence, twice as likely um, to experience discrimination and 1.4 times more likely to experience threats and intimidation 
during acts of hate violence. Additionally, and this is the one that's the most disheartening about this, about the community that I identify with as LGBTQ, <clears throat> black transgender women face the highest levels of fatal violence within the LGBTQ community and are less likely to turn to police for help for fear of re-victimization by law enforcement personnel. According to the National Trans Transgender Discrimination Survey, 38% of black transgender people who interacted with police reported harassment and 14% reported physical assault from police. So, you know, that alone to me says, and for, for people who don't know, black transgender women are still the highest amount of unsolved murder cases, cold cases, just because no one speaks their name, no one acknowledges that they're even people. When you look at the lowest class of, of consideration of valuable life, I think black trans women unfortunately fall in that category and it's disheartening. But at the end of the day, when we talk about white people speaking out about their privilege um, and, and combating anti-racism, as we celebrate, celebrate pride this month and for some cities who might even still engage in some type of celebration on this weekend, please remember that this racial injustice fight that we're fighting does not stop in the heterosexual community. In fact, it's almost under a microscope in the, the LGBTQ community amidst the, the LGBTQ community. For the white gays who are celebrating, please make sure that you are still using your privilege to fight for the injustice, the racial injustice that takes place with the black gay community, the black LGBTQ community, and the LGBTQ communities of color. Healthcare disparity, all of that sits in systemic racism. And it really is going to take your voice to speak out against that too as well. That was good, Rick. Hey, you know, celebrate pride for everybody. Cause you know, I, I will say this was actually going to be the first year I was going to go to the pride parade. And so Rick, I hope uh, next year you will uh, take me with you. Oh, absolutely. I, I've always wanted to cover it. I, I've always wanted to go. You've never gone to a pride parade. No. Nope. Hey, don't, don't, don't feel bad. I just went to my first one, like back in 2013 <laughs> and that was New York. Like that was my first time going. Remember pre like 2013, I thought the, the pride parade was, and I'm talking of my past self. I thought the pride parade was gay propaganda. So, well, I mean, some, I wasn't always uh, so, uh, so aware. That's true. That's true. And, and, and I appreciate your continued focus on awareness in, in this fight against anti-racism and just humanitarianism. That's why we have YFNA News. Hey, so should we get into, before we wrap up, our white troublemaker question of the evening? Oh, yes, we should. And by the way, could you define, let everyone know what white troublemaker is So for those who are watching? Absolutely not. That's what Kendra's job is, and she's not here. No. Uh, so white troublemakers. White troublemakers are... Um, are, are, are white or European Americans who are interested in speaking out and doing the work against anti-racism and being more vocal about anti-racism. That's what the White Troublemakers team is all about, or the White Trouble, Troublemakers group. And we're fortunate enough to have White Troublemakers um, uh, joining with us to, to share some thoughts, some questions, and gain more insight around how to be more anti-racist. Before we get into that, Ethan, let me clarify why I've asked the polling question. And I, I think we had quite a few people who have, have responded to the uh, the polling question if they prefer to be 
refer to as um, uh, white American or European American. So you said you didn't care, correct? Yeah, I, I personally don't care. Okay, I think we. I saw. I saw European American. I saw white American. I saw I kind of a, a said American. Yeah, so. yeah. So let me ask you before I answer this question: Why do you have you ever thought about how you would want to be referred to? No, but I think that has to go into the fact that I've never really had to think about it. Like it doesn't care. I, I'm sorry. I, I I just don't care. Like you don't so have to. Exactly. I really don't have to. Someone could call me whatever they want. It it just doesn't bother me. So this dawned on me like last night oh, before uh, the show. I am technically Albanian. So maybe you should call me an Albanian American or a Bel Alba Albanian Italian American. Yeah, my my uh uh my biological father is Muslim, dark skin, oh, short. I, yeah, no, I wasn't that that look wasn't oh. because oh, I, okay. I was trying to decide for that. No, no. That look was simply because you you had a lot going on and you could actually retrace your roots to your European ancestors and your European lineage. And I always drive my 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 mom nuts by saying, oh, never mind, never mind. Because <laughs> mom is watching, isn't she? Yeah, but it, it won't bother her. It might what I say might not be politically correct. Oh, so. got it. Okay, fine. So <laughs> so I wanted to bring that attention to and that awareness to 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 white people or or European Americans um that the people who pro who answered, um, uh, I love you too, best name ever, and we don't even know each other, but that's just the type of person I am. White people have probably never had to face that question. White people have never had to think about, should I be referred to as a white American or European American, or specifically the country that I'm from, which is you know potentially what could take place in the, the Latinx or uh, Hispanic community. When we talk about systemic racism, I want white people who are watching to understand this. It's never dawned on you because of systemic racism and white supremacy. There is a prime example. Ask yourself why you've never had to, to, to identify how you want to be referred to. If you want to be referred to as a white American or as a European American, very similarly to how black or African American, black Americans or African Americans are asked to refer to themselves on whatever they're filling out, whatever form they're filling out, right? Um, if we're ever going to get to, and the, the comment that was that was posted, if we're ever going to get to a point where we're just Americans, we have to identify that each and every one of us has a background, has a different background. And it's not just the, the marginalized communities or the, the communities of color, I should say, that are uh, people of diverse backgrounds and white people aren't. If we don't take into account that all of us have some type of, of, of background, um, and white people aren't just off to the side as you know white people and white Americans or what have you, um, then we're never going to be able to understand what it means to be whole, whole, whole systemically, wholly and systemically American. Because of white supremacy and systemic racism, no one has ever asked white people, do you prefer to be called white Americans or European Americans? So keep that in mind the next time someone's having a conversation about what white supremacy looks like. That could be a great example, just something I came up with. All right, so our white troublemaker question for the evening before we wrap up. Oh, yeah, sorry. Let me put that on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, forgive him. He's had four live streams today. He is super streamer today. He's had a lot. So and uh by the way, if you like what you're uh if you like what you're seeing. Uh, if you go in our consider showing your support in, in the description is a link to our Patreon. Um, 
You can donate anywhere from a dollar a month to five dollars a month, and it will help us improve the quality of the show. Please do. And if you have anyone who wants to be represented through advertisement, uh, maybe I can read some on air ads for companies. Go ahead and and subscribe to them and send those donations. All right, let's yes. go ahead and, and get into this question of the evening. I'm going to try my best. <clears throat> um, so the imposter syndrome is real high right now. I want to do my part and I want to be more active. And I think that I am. So I'll post the resources that I found useful. But wait, is that performative allyship? I'm not just performing. I am doing things. Emailing and calling legislators, researching processes for change at the local level, um, reading and listening to Black artists talk about their experiences and the history that got us here. Um, I don't have to share it all, but I feel like if I don't share some of it, I'm just another white girl posting memes on Facebook. And if I do share, am I doing it for clout? It's a fine line. How can I be more authentic in my uh, support of this? Okay, so, you know, Ethan, I don't know if you want to want to tackle this. I, I, I can add or share some thoughts to this um, because I think that <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here. So for those of you who feel like you may be in this imposter syndrome um, type of posting, when it comes to sharing what you're, what you have done, or what you're finding out, what you're, what you're learning about uh, systemic racism and how to be anti-racist. What I personally feel like is, if you're sharing it and your intentions on sharing it is because you want other people in your circle to understand and be enlightened and be educated, then by all means, share it. Only you know if you're sharing it for clout or if you're sharing it because. You genuinely want people in your in your circle of, of, of friends and family to learn from you or use utilizing your platform to educate people. Only you know that, right? So um, I think if in the event you're learning things and from what you're learning, you're looking to share things on your social media platform, if you don't have a show like in black and white, then share away. Put it on your, use your platform, right? Um, by the way, we, we just got our first patron. Oh, Marsha, thank you so much. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. We appreciate that. Um, I, I'll find out more about what that looks like, too. And I, I, I saw something that said, buy us a coffee. Um, I do like, oh, yeah, work. I forgot about that, too. If you wanted to, yeah, there, there, yeah. there's two means of support there's patron and then the buy us a coffee. And I do like my coffee black. Um, so. It's not actual coffee, though. <laughs> <laughs> just throw that out there, just in case it might have been. Um, so I, I think that it's important that you know, for this particular white troublemaker, though, let me be let me let me be clear about a statement that that she made that I, I really encourage: emailing and calling legislators, research, researching processes for change at the local level, reading and listening. Well, let's stop there. If you're not doing that, then you still have some work to do. This is there. There are baby steps to this, right? And as as Ethan probably knows, as as we've been uncovering things uh, in our journey, there there are steps to this, and you'll you'll get there. But at the end of the day, that's also one of the most um, intricate and most impactful parts of anti-racism work that's going to end systemic racism. 
It's getting on the phone with your legislators, legislatures and, and holding them accountable, understanding what systems and processes need to be changed and finding ways to implement that change. Those are some really big things. And if you happen to share that, I would suggest you sharing not necessarily what you did, but how you were able to do it, right? So here is the number to your local congressman to change this particular um, process, or here is the number to your local official to create this awareness, you know, versus saying, well, I did this, I called this congressman and we got this change or we're working on getting this change, so you should, you should too. There's a difference there. So be mindful about how you post it, but at the end of the day, you're the only person that knows if you're posting for clout, uh, but it sounds like the work that you're doing is is um, is what's the needed work that, that, that goes into anti-racism. And if you want to share what it is that you're doing or how you've been doing what you've been doing, then I think that's that's definitely something that that people need to see. Because if you don't share it, who's going to know? Who's going to know that it's getting done? Who's going to know how to do it if you don't share it? So definitely share it. What do you, Ethan? What do you think? No, uh, I don't have much to add to that. You. Uh... You summed it up. I do want to get to this question from Brittany, though. Sure. Uh, question I have is, uh, how come some black men and women want to be called black and some African-American? Is it because of the racism going on? So I've actually, I will say I've had one person say they don't like being called black. Um, and that person preferred African-American. But it is a mix. So I guess, how do we determine? Do we just ask? Do we say, hey, excuse me, do you prefer black or African-American each time. Well, Ethan, would you walk up to another white person and ask, or, or Brittany, would you walk up to another white person and ask, hey, do you prefer to be called white American or European American? I wouldn't. Exactly. So now if you're referring to, and, and here's the thing, unfortunately, when you're in, in conversations on social media, right, um, and you refer to a group of people, I think it's important to be careful with, you know, how you address a group of people. For example, I addressed the Latinx community. I addressed the Hispanic slash Latinx community and said Latinx community, and it offended um, some individuals. I had to dig into why that offended them because I understood that Latinx was kind of the, the universal uh, reference to the Hispanic community, but I had to learn um, why it offended, offended that one person. So if in the event you're engaging in a, a, a post or a comment or a discussion that encompasses everyone, then you would probably be safe to say black or African-American. Uh, personally, you, you, you will hear me say black American or African-American. You'll also hear me say I refer to myself as black American only because uh, I don't have uh, uh, strategic roots, uh, detailed roots back to Africa. I'm, I'm not first generation African here or second generation African in America. I am black and I'm American. Um, so I personally prefer black American. However, there are some individuals who feel like America, uh, it doesn't really hold true to, to the, the, the diaspora of who we are as, as African Americans or as black Americans or as black people. So they prefer African or African Americans. There's, there's a lot that goes into that. And I don't know if you go up to any individual anyway and ask, hey, do you prefer to be white American or European American? Like, I just don't. <laughs> I personally don't. Um, uh, but I, I do think that if in the event you were in, a, in an intimate conversation with somebody and you just wanted to know, you know, how they how they identify, 
And that's the important thing. Ethan, I think it's it's not, you know, how do you want to be referred to versus how do you identify? Right. It's very similar to the LGBTQ community. You know, when we talk about what your pronouns are and how, how you identify there. Um, yes, people identify differently. And we're in probably I've been saying this for a while, man, we are probably in one of the most inclusive generations we've seen this world has ever seen. We just got our second patron. I thought I saw that. I, I thought I saw another patron. This is awesome. Hey, keep keep it up. Tell your friends. We um, we are definitely looking for for patrons for for YFNA News. If you are enjoying these conversations, Ethan is is the man. He's 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 the he's a super streamer. Um, <laughs> and he should have wore a cape today. In fact, I okay. want to get you a rainbow cape for this next. Understand? Week. Yes. While I may do a a lot, this also wouldn't be possible without you, Rick. So please don't undersell yourself. So yeah, back yes, to that point. Uh, without Rick Lockhart, there would be no in black and white. Well, yeah, uh, but there, there's a lot of other things going on on YFNA News, right? So right. without Cynthia McDonald or Richard Graves, there'd be no 13%. So this is a collaborative effort. We're all working together for what it we is a collaborative. common good. We do appreciate that too. That's that's one of the biggest reasons why we love YFNA News. Um, but to finish up that question, I think that it's important to, when you, when you ask someone how they identify, that you ask them how they identify not how they would like to be referred to. Uh, that that goes a long way. And only do it if you're in involved in, a, in an intimate conversation with someone. Um, other than that, if you're blanketing a group of people, you should probably use all of the identifications that you can use so that you don't offend anybody. Right. Typically what I do, Hispanic um, or Latin, Latinx or Latina and Latino. Awesome. Um, so any last thoughts before we wrap up? Thanks everybody for watching. Whew. If you can, uh, go to our YouTube channel, and if you can, click like on the video and also click subscribe. It does make a difference. So if you're watching us on Facebook right now, go to youtube.com slash YFNA news and click the subscribe button on that channel and click the notification bell to get reminders when we go live. This is taking place on my personal Facebook, but eventually I want to get to a point where it's not on my personal Facebook and we get everyone on YouTube and, you know, treat this like a legit news channel. Um, we are actively trying to improve the quality of the show. For example, there are some other things I'm learning so we can improve the visuals, um, whether it be bringing stuff on screen, integrating videos. There is so much behind the scenes we need to work on to improve the quality of the show. We And we, that's not to count all the time you and I spend uh, researching and looking into things and pulling our clips to put them online. So there is a lot of work that goes into it. It is. I'm learning a lot. Really, really learning a lot. And I, I, as, as much as we do enjoy bringing this to you, we do want to bring this to you in the best quality that, that we can. So by all means, continue to share this on your social media uh, platforms and um, make sure that your friends and followers are engaging too as well, subscribing, liking, and uh, following us on our, on our YouTube channel. In 20 this seconds. Is, I actually yeah. didn't know there was a Black Wall Street. Now I kind of feel like an idiot because I had no idea. It's okay. And I appreciate that vulnerability once on live stream. So before we wrap up real quick, Black Wall Street was, you, you do know about Black Wall Street, but you just don't realize you know about Black Wall Street. So remember when we talked about the bombings that took place or the slaughtering that took place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I believe it was 1921, 1921, because we're coming up on the 100 year anniversary. That was Black Wall Street. What they, what they bombed, what they slaughtered was black considered black wall street in tulsa oklahoma 
So when we talked about the disrespect that came from Trump wanting to hold his rally on Juneteenth in Tulsa, that was stemming from the remembrance of what took place in Greenwood, Oklahoma, which is the suburb of Tulsa uh, in 1921. Black Wall Street was one of the most thriving black communities within, uh, within the United States that was built after, after slavery. Um, and it was uh, probably one of the most profitable communities that, uh, that ever took place for one of the most profitable black communities in the country. However, of course, unfortunately, White America didn't really appreciate the fact that there was a thriving black community and it was bombed and slaughtered. You also could look up um, for, I think that was Brittany that, that posted that you're probably familiar with Rosewood. Um, if you haven't seen the movie Rosewood, it does a great depiction, but it probably doesn't encompass anything near to what actually took place because white Hollywood. Um, but if you ever get a chance to just get a sense of what happened in Rosewood, Rosewood was a very similar situation where there was a thriving black community. And because there was a, a, a white woman who indicated that a black man raped her, there, there were these riots, the slaughtering of an entire black community also took place there as well. Check it out. Awesome. Well, it's a really good, it's a really good movie. It's, it's, it's a, I like history, but man, I needed this episode. Let me just tell you, it's, it, <laughs> you it's been a day. It's been a day. And I was feeling a little out of it. And it's always a pleasure working with you. And this this episode, despite the fact that we're covering really de depressing and saddening topics, it actually made me feel better. So well, thank you. No, listen, I, I, I say this all the time, bro. Um, this is my therapy. So outside of, I only do therapy every other week. So my therapist is next week. However, this week, this is when I get a chance to, to have my therapy without having my therapist. So you get to jump in that. And all of you all who are watching, thank you for allowing us to have a good night with you, getting things off of our chest and um, having conversations in black and white. We Wait, appreciate it. We need a closing tagline. So should it be having conversations in black and white or should it be as long as there's racism? In black and white will always be there. I thought it was get uncomfortable with in black and white. But you know what? Which one do you want to use? I'll leave it up to you, sir. What I'm not going to. No, I can't. I have the title. You, you come up with our closing, our closing tagline. Which one do you want to go with? All right. We'll test it. Everyone let us know. I'll right. One, I'll do the other, and then we'll close out. All right. As long as there's racism in black and white, we'll always be there. And and what was the other one? <laughs> I don't remember the other one. Because the only one I had was make oh, sure you. Wait, the go conversations ahead. one. The, you said something oh, about. Oh, yes, uh, yes. So we'll continue to have our conversations, have these conversations in black and white. See you next Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time. Check us out.